Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Time for a little spring cleaning, Spartan Nation. Mel Tucker, Tom Izzo, and Michigan State Athletic Director Alan Haller all had some interesting things to say during an appearance at a Detroit Economic Club meeting this week. What was discussed and what does it mean for Michigan State on the field? We will discuss on episode 79 of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion with Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel on Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. Hope everyone is doing okay out there. I, I know it's been a tough week or so, uh, both here in Michigan with tornadoes and, and elsewhere. Uh, but hang in there. Uh, I hope this podcast can, if nothing else, be a respite into something that's a little more enjoyable, uh, which, of course, is Michigan State Athletics. Uh, but Kyle, what's up? Hope you're doing okay. How's the golf game? Did you uh, did you watch Mito's choke job last weekend? I did. Um, my golf game is worse than Mito's, unfortunately. Uh, well, Mito's <laughs> is good for 71 holes. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that 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 was that was pretty epic. Uh, I felt felt for him, although he handled it well. You know, us media types noticed things like um, he still did the post game interviews afterwards and was in good spirits, mm-hmm. which is more than we could say about Rory. So uh, us media types always respect that, at least. Yeah, I had never heard of of Mito before this weekend. So considering he finished third in a major championship, I think that's probably a pretty good payday for him. Um, so you know, I don't think he has to be too upset. But obviously you're a professional golfer, you know, there's no, there's no guarantee you'll ever be in that position again, uh, in a major. So it it had to be hard for him. No, a successful weekend. I I bet you there's a little bit silver lining when he actually sits back and looks at it. So, um, Matt, what's up? I mean, it's, it's peak spring guys. There's, there's no games going on right now, unless you want to get into Michigan state baseball, which I, I think is near the bottom of the big 10. Uh, but that means we get to talk about off the field stuff, you know, probably not everyone's favorite topics, but, um, when you're people like us or people who follow college sports religiously, uh, you know that this sort of off-field bureaucratic stuff impacts the sport in a big way when we finally do get to playing games. So, uh, and Matt, there's certainly plenty happening on that front uh, right now. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess one big, a couple of big uh, rule changes last week um, by the NCAA. I think that was last week, right? Like, get my timeline right. Everything kind of blends together these days. But uh, the Division One Council basically um, cleared the road for for conferences to eliminate um, divisions. You know, which allows them to, if you, I mean, it used to be a rule. So you know, you basically had to either have a round robin format or you split up in divisions, and then the winners of the divisions play in your conference championship game. Now you don't have to do that. You know, you can determine on your own. Pac-12. I think it was like six minutes after the NCAA. Mm-hmm sent out the press release 
or they tweeted it first, six minutes or so, seven minutes later, the Pac-12 already sent out their press release saying, yeah, divisions are done starting right now. Uh, Mountain West is is getting rid of them for 23. Uh, The ACC is expected to do so and and maybe some others. Um, So that's interesting. And then the the, the NCAA lifted the the 25 initial counter cap, which is, is, we'll see. Um, You know, a couple, a year from now, two years from now, we could look back and then, this being a major, major uh, change in, in, in college football, because, you know, you could, could only sign 25 initial counters a year, whether that, you know, that includes, you know, recruits and, and transfers. And then this past year, there was a one-year waiver for, to allow them to replace up to seven transfers. So you could get to 32. Um, now that's gone. So the next two years, this is, this is on the books. All you have to do is be at 85 scholarships. So uh, the fear among, among some is that coaches are just going to use this to run a ton of guys off, you know, and you're just going to sign it, but you know, it, 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 we'll see, you know, they said they're going to monitor it, but, um, interesting developments, um, and both were expected to, to pass. We still, still no word on the, the transfer windows created, which has been getting kicked around on, on two of those we're putting in play. And, and we, it seems like that'll probably happen. Well, I know I said we were going to go to the basketball stuff right away, but I mean, we might as well just touch on this NCAA lifting the cap and how it specifically impacts Michigan State. I mean, somebody had a chance. I don't know if it was you to ask Mel Tucker about it and how it specifically will impact Michigan State. I mean, is this something that's going to impact all programs equally or will it do you think does he think it's going to benefit the bigger programs, the more powerful programs, because they'll be able to bring in more guys and just have more sheer volume or I mean, how do you see how did Mel Tucker touch on how this might impact his program? Yeah, I mean, a little briefly, uh, he's he, you know, we got him for like three minutes, four minutes, or whatever it was in a scrum uh, after he spoke at the uh, Motor City Casino, uh, the Detroit, Detroit Economic Club meeting. Um, he said he thinks for, for them, it, it's going to uh, impact the mid-year guys the most. Um, that's, that was basically his takeaway from it. So, you know, they brought in, I think it was, they had 10 mid-year additions in January 2021 and 14 scholarship mid-year additions in this year. So, you know, you, you just have to stay at 85. So, I mean, once you get to that number, it, it's going to fluctuate every year. How big, you know, is your senior class departing? How many guys leave for the NFL? How many guys transfer out? You know, yada, yada, yada. But uh, overall, to, to answer your question broadly, <laughs> I think the, the, the powerful programs will always uh, use, get the biggest advantage out of anything. And I'm always amazed by Mel Tucker's ability to stay like even keel. I know like the neutral thinking thing is the huge thing for him. I think he even said it this weekend and in in an environment when we've got, you know, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher trading public blows over NIL and uh, just all the crazy stuff going on right now. I'm just continue to be amazed by Mel Tucker's ability to just kind of be like, yep, it's there. We'll deal with it. Like he's got to have some opinions on this stuff, but he refuses to, to go one way or, or the other on it. Well, <laughs> what's the benefit to him doing that? I don't think Mel's a pretty smart guy. I don't, you know, he doesn't see any need to throw a grenade in the room. Uh, so why do it? But yeah, it came up on Monday uh, at that meeting. And as soon as it was brought up, Mel said, oh boy, here we go. And that was it. But that was it. Like he never, he was asked about it later. And he, you know, he just said, you know, I, I don't have an opinion on that. I'm focused on my program. <laughs> Don't uh, take the bait, Mel. Don't take the bait. <laughs> Tom actually responded and said he talked to Saban that night. And I remember his comment was something like, what the hell are you doing? Or what the hell was that? Something to that effect. And he's like, no, I didn't really talk to him. And then Alan Heller said, 
yes, you did. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I did. And I, it was, it was uh, awkwardly, it was an awkward uh, way to go about it, but either way. Uh, yeah. It, it was entertaining to watch from afar uh, to say the least, you know, to see Nick Saban just publicly call it a program. And then Jimbo, I mean, as soon as I saw they were having a press conference that morning, I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to watch this. And, and I didn't expect oh, yeah. it to be what it was in 10 seconds into it. You're like, Oh damn, this is, this is an all timer right here. Yeah. And I wrote the story for us for M live to writing about that. And I watched that whole press conference and I'm just like, I don't know which one of these quotes to pull out and put in the dang headline. Like there's too many of them that are going to work here. Like the idea of Jimbo calling a press conference to call Nick Saban a narcissist though. is pretty funny. Uh, I'll just say that. But um, so, so uh, Tom is will take Nick Saban's calls, but Jimbo Fisher will not. So at least we we've got that covered, <laughs> um, but that wasn't the only uh, the, the scholarship cap wasn't the lifting. The scholarship cap wasn't the only big news to come out of that meeting or at least potential news. I I'm pretty interested now in Haller. Uh, basically going on record saying changes are coming to the Big Ten. I mean, it was just, I think one of you guys asked him about if there's changes, and he said there will be. We're working through them, so meetings going on right now. Uh, all the conferences are having their big meetings, so those SEC meetings will probably be interesting. But, uh, you know, changes to the Big Ten, he didn't really get into it. Obviously, you touched on the division thing. Uh, we see other conferences doing away with the divisions. For the Big Ten, I think it it would be a smart move to get rid of divisions considering the imbalance uh, that exists right now. But the big 10 has a lot of rivalry games. Like every single game is like a trophy game. So I guess finding out who those fixed opponents would be, would be the biggest challenge there because maybe I'm wrong, but like, I know the rules in place, Matt, but wasn't a big point of having divisions was that it made scheduling easier. Yeah. I mean, to, to go start with, with Alan's comments, it was during a Q and a portion with the, with the, club members I, I believe that was one of their questions asked or it was one of the questions a moderator asked whatever um and he just he was asked about conference realignment across the nation and he said and was asked if the you know changes will be coming to the big 10 and he said yeah you know there, there are going to be changes you know quite a bit of them um, but he did not get into the specifics and he did not uh talk to with us after uh, to provide uh any clarity on that but you know yeah i mean if you were just to guess right now that you know based on landscape you'd, you'd say they'll if you had to guess which direction that'll go is that they'll, they would eliminate divisions. Cause what are your other options? Are you going to add more teams? Eventually the big 10 is going to add more teams, you know, but, but not right now. Um, so I would think the next move would probably be to get rid of divisions instead of, um, you know, readjusting them again, you know, eight, no, the, the East is against the West in, in the big 10 championship game since they've moved from, the uh, the legends and leaders, as we all remember fondly, to uh, East and West. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, I actually got asked about this on a, a serious XM show or whatever yesterday. So if, if you're Michigan State, you know, because we've heard about this, you keep three games. What are the three games if you, you think fans would want to keep? Uh, you know, and I would just initially was like, well, Michigan obviously won. Penn State and then Ohio State, those are the three big ones, but there's no way in hell you're going to have all those three. So Michigan obviously won. And then I guess, what do you, what do you think you guys think? What's your, what's your, I think Indiana would be the other one, I think, uh, because of the old brass platoon and then Penn State uh, and Ohio State would not be in every year is how I would think, because I think the trophies matter here. I, yeah, I think Northwestern's one to think about as well. 
Yeah. Um, there's so many trophies though, man. Like, can you protect all the trophies? I, there's trophies yeah. I don't even know about in the big 10. Yeah. I was going to say like, like if they're going to do away with divisions, I think you got to do some sort of pod, you know, where you got four teams all playing each other um, with more crossover games, which I like, you know, you know, play some of those um, right now, West division teams more. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think Michigan state, I mean, I, I know the, the rivalry doesn't typically go their way, but like, I think, some Michigan State fans like playing Ohio State every year, you know, measuring up, um, being able to go down there when they when they beat him in the shoe when they were good and um, having that game on the schedule. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm like Matt, like my initial thought is like Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. Um, but then that's like you don't want to be playing them every there, single year. There's no so. point to redo the schedule if you're just going to have them play their four East or the three East monsters again, anyways. You well, know? they would. Well, the monsters, yeah. But I mean, then you don't have to play Rutgers every year. Um, but <laughs> that's a bad thing. <laughs> your Michigan State. <laughs> I'm talking about for you know quality of game and um, and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I guess if you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of one, get rid of Ohio State. I think there's more history to the Penn State rivalry and land grant trophy and all that. And yeah, swap in one of the Indiana schools and and call that your pot, I guess. But you know, a, a lot of teams are going to consider themselves having rivals with Ohio state and Michigan, and they, they can only have so many teams they play every year. So um, yeah, yeah, I think Ohio state would probably end up on the cutting room floor, which would be a shame because there've been some, you know, that's a fun thing to have every year. But under the new scheduling format, they would play them fairly often. I mean, you know, like with the with the I think it's like three. Five, I, I forget what it is, the scheduling format, but you would presumably go to something like that where you're playing, you know, teams that you don't play that aren't your fixed opponents. You play them every other year or something like that. So, I mean, the SEC is the craziest, though. Like, do you know that Georgia has not played at Texas A&M since they joined <laughs> the conference? I mean, that's crazy. So I think that's what's driving a lot of this conversation is like the SEC wants these teams playing because with their current setup, it's similar to the Big Ten where some of those teams in the other division, you're not playing at their place for like eight years. So it's I can see why they would want more matchups going on. And I think schedule is probably the biggest thing that Haller's alluding to. Do you think there's anything else out there, Matt, that? He could be alluding to, or is this specifically to the schedule? I mean, he said a lot of changes. So yeah, there's got to be more that he's talking about. I don't know what that, what those are because he he didn't tell us. So um, instead of just, you know, speculating all across the board, I I don't, I don't know. I think we're going to have to wait and see, but he was in in, uh, Rosemont last week uh, for two days meeting with uh, the the other big 10 ADs. So obviously uh, there was stuff they talked about. Is there anything you guys would like to see happen? All noon kickoffs for Michigan State. <laughs> Actually, how about 10 a.m., 11 a.m.? No, I'm, ju- I'm just, I'm just, it. I'm just being me. So they're going to be announcing a new TV deal here soon, too. Did you, so. Oh, yeah, that'll be a big one. But did you see the Lions schedule for this year? It's like all noon. It's like all noon games. It's amazing. Well, that's what happens when you stink. They don't yeah. want to put you in prime time, yeah. you know. So Lions beat reporters are uh, getting fat and sassy on all those one p.m. kickoffs there. Oh so. yeah. Oh yeah. One p.m. <laughs> Sorry, my fault. Um, yeah. The 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 TV deal. That's going to be really interesting to see what the numbers are and how that's distributed. You know, how much if they if they go with like you know streaming services and stuff for certain games and, and that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That should get I. I saw Kevin Warren quoted recently by somebody with a time frame for when that'll be announced, but I can't remember when, um, you know, I would expect something by the summer. Kyle, most of the changes are driven by football, but 
I mean, is there anything that you can think of changes that would be made that would specifically impact basketball or potential things that could make things better? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but no, I'd have to, I'd have to think about it first, but yeah, I mean, basketball is always just kind of along for the ride. Um, right. for, for the most part. Um, I mean, I, I guess I'd like to see a little bit more like, I don't know how like, even you can make it, but like the, the basketball schedule always just seems so haphazard to me as far as like when you're playing somebody, who you're playing, um, you know, it seems like you can play the same team twice, almost back to back. I know you can't get an even like rotation anymore like you used to, but like, like the Pac-12 does traveling partners for basketball, right? Like, um, it seems like you could get a little bit more order to that than make it because fairness is the issue with it, you know, um, because you can you end up playing, you know, um, good teams early, bad teams late, uh, traveling too much for a while, not traveling too much. So I know it's all it's all based on TV, but wrangling that a little bit, um, if it's possible, um, I would like to see happen. Right. I mean, you get Northwestern, you know, Minnesota you know, whoever pick, take your pick at, you know, traditional bottom feeders, you get them twice. That's a little different than getting like Purdue, Michigan and Ohio state twice. So, uh, you know, and that comes into play for the big 10 schedule every year, especially when we had the COVID stuff going on, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, let's see, what else can we talk about here? Ryan day got a little pay raise, uh, Matt. So like, I guess that makes sense. Uh, he probably should be making as much money, you know, big 10 perennial big 10 champion. What has he lost? Like one, big 10 game one or two big 10 games since he's been the head coach so probably makes sense that he gets a little pay bump to uh match money bags mel tucker yeah i mean you, you figured this was coming i mean he's 34 and four in four seasons um he's been in the playoff twice after winning you know the big 10 twice so yeah i mean this was this was you, you figured it was going to happen so he gets a raise he, he was making 7.6 a year he's now at 9.5 so that matches him with mel is, is the highest paid uh, in the big 10 and uh, among the top five in the nation. So as of now, as far as uh, dollars that can be tracked because they're public universities, Nick Saban is, is going to be the highest paid coach this year at 9.9 million. And then behind that, you have Mel, Ryan Day, and Brian Kelly at 9.5. And I mean, Lincoln Riley might be making more than all of them, but uh, can't be for sure on that because USC is a private school. But uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at heading into the year. I legit did not know USC was a private school until this moment. It, so. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah so, that's I mean, you've, you've heard some monster numbers thrown around for him. And I've also seen some of that be inaccurate as far as what other people have, have reported, but you know, if they're pulled him away from Oklahoma and, and what did they buy him? Two houses out there. It's just like, they, they had the money. Access, so yeah, it was he, a lot. he is, uh, he's being well compensated. I'm sure. <laughs> And then finally, last bit, a little bit of housekeeping, I guess, or spring cleaning. I should stick with the theme for Michigan State football. Uh, the three transfers are officially in the fold now. Brian Green, Jared Broussard. Uh, Michigan State, according to 247, has the 15th ranked transfer class, whatever that means. But it's a big class. Uh, Mel Tucker continuing to use the portal to bolster weak spots in the uh, in the roster. And Matt, we'll have more time to talk about uh, these guys, but... You would think all three are going to be on the field this coming season, despite getting into camp or getting into school uh, here a little bit later than some of the other guys. Yeah, I mean, and I think what, what's the biggest takeaway for me from this year and, and the use of the portal is, you know, last year with you know, it, you know, when, when he overhauled the roster, you know, he brought in a lot of what was it, fifteen scholarship transfers, I believe, if my memory is right. Um, but you know, there were some guys that they never played it down to college football. And, and some who had barely played, you know, there were, there were some veterans in there, but 
this year you look at the eight guys, these are all guys that have played multiple seasons of college football. These are, you know, you got grad transfers in there. You got, I would not be surprised if all eight of these guys started this, this fall at one point or another. I mean, there's two running backs in the mix, you know, but you're not going to probably be starting both, but you, you get what I mean. Like all these guys will contribute heavily if they are healthy this season. I, I would be shocked if, if they didn't. I mean, these are just guys that they, they're positions of need and, and these are experienced players and they should be able to plug in there and play. So the, you know, there were five guys that were there for the spring um, and there are three, the three new ones, Rick Broussard running back from Colorado, Daniel Barker, tight end from Illinois and, Brian Greed, an offensive lineman from uh, Washington State. Those are, and those are obvious positions of need. You know, <laughs> Kenneth Walker ain't coming back, so you need a starting running back. And and I think it'll either be Roussard or Berger. And Daniel Barker, you know, he's a he set the program record for touchdown catches for a tight end in Illinois. Again, talk about guy that's missing. Connor Hayward's off in the NFL. Um, so Malik Carr showed promise last year, but is he ready to really be that starting guy? And, you know, embrace the blocking and everything full time. And then Brian Green, he's got experience at, at center and, and both guard spots. And I talked to him a couple weeks ago and he said, basically, they're telling him to learn all three positions. He's going to come in and, you know, see what he can do. And he's, you know, hopes he's starting at one. But I would imagine probably back up starting or backup right guard and then backup center for him would be my best guess. But, yeah, all these guys are all these guys will be uh, prominent players this fall, I believe. Nationally, it seems like people are impressed with Mel Tucker and what he's doing through the portal, but some seem to be questioning whether or not he can continue to like bring in this many transfers every year and maintain a high level of success, especially when you're, you know, the, the high school recruiting that really does need to be the core of your team and the lifeblood of it. And that's not to say that Mel isn't making strides or they've got a lot of high profile recruits coming to visit uh, in June, but, and they're definitely in on a lot of guys they normally aren't in on, but I guess the idea is like, you know, if you keep bringing in transfers and like you just said, like pretty much all of them have a chance to get on the field, you know, how does that impact the depth on your roster? We've seen some other guys flirt with the transfer portal and then somehow get brought back in, particularly a linebacker this off season. So it is a delicate balance. You have to walk. And I, and Mel talked a little bit about recruiting and how I think he said it was the lifeblood of the program uh, in Detroit this weekend. So it's not that he's not focused on um, high school recruiting, but you know, it is a balance. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and, to Mel's point, you know, the, the building, you know, he always says we, you know, we want to build our program through the high school recruiting and supplement and complement it through the portal. And I think that's still the goal, you know, once you get the talent level, once you, you know, you keep, because, you know, this is really only his, when he signed two classes really. And the first one was, you know, he called it zoom babies. Um, so once, you know, he gets his guy, more of his players to, in the program and developed, uh, I think you, I don't, I don't see them, you know, hitting the portal, in future years anywhere as much as they did last year, you know, this year is basically cut in half. And I think this will probably be kind of the norm going forward for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just the nature of, 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 of college sports right now. You know, I mean, basketball isn't that much different. Tom Izzo will tell you about it. You know, that's, there's a reason he doesn't have 13 scholarship players on his team anymore. And for Mel, you know, he's going to always be at 85 because you're going to, you're going to use him, but there will be guys that, that leave. Um, and Mel talked about, you know, you know, they, you know, they just, you need to, you know, be recruiting your roster every single day, you know, and, you know, for the guys you have just to keep them engaged. And that, that's just, you know, part of the deal these days. And there's going to be some players that you brought, you brought in a grad transfer. Fine. I'm leaving. 
So, and that, and that that's going to be the case everywhere. That won't be, there's nothing unique to Michigan State. All right, last thing before we move on to just a quick basketball discussion here. I'm going to put you on the spot on May 25th. Will Michigan State land a five-star recruit this year? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I just, you know, it doesn't happen very often for them. So is it, will, is it possible? Sure. Uh, I think, you know, Mel being there has, has obviously improved recruiting. Um, I think you had some of his staff additions, uh, notably Brandon Jordan, um, can help in that area. So we'll see. But, you know, it's been a while. So and until they do it, uh, I'll say no, but I would not be surprised. Do you think they'll get a top 20 class? Uh, they'll be right there. I think, I, I think they'll be right around that, that 20 mark. I mean, and it always, you know, depends, you know, cause those, those rankings move, like, what were they like? I'm mean, trying to remember, like, but on signing day in December, they had like, what was it? I don't remember number 21 or whatever it was. I wrote it at the time. And then, you know, it dropped down. I think they finished 23rd, um, in the, in the composite rankings, but you know, top, if they, if they're in the top 20, that's, you know, D'Antonio had only had one top 20 class, but, you know, and there's always the caveat, don't, you don't know what you got until, you know, three years, four years down the road. But that top 20 class was, as Kyle remembers, but they, they called themselves the, uh, the dream team, right? Um, yeah, it didn't work yeah. out too well. Yeah, that was a, for the most part, uh, not a very good class in the end. Nightmare team. Uh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, if you're Michigan State and you can – consistently stack you know top 20 25 classes together i think you're doing pretty good uh considering where they have been in the past um and considering that the the staff you know like d'antonio's staff has shown an ability to develop players i think so uh michigan state fans i think should be happy with that although there's a lot of high profile players that seem to be considering the spartans that they're usually not in on so uh, it's been a while since they've gotten a commit but it's an exciting time recruiting and we'll see what uh which one of these guys you know or if any of these guys want to sign on the dotted line or at least be verbal about coming to Michigan state. I would expect more movement in that over the summer. So yeah, a let, big, big month coming up for Michigan state, just to say that briefly, you know, with all the official visits starting uh, what June 3rd, I believe is the first weekend they bring guys in, but I would expect to see uh, the class uh, grow by a number of guys in June. All right, let's flip over to basketball real quick, Kyle, because Tom Izzo uh, also was at that, that meeting in Detroit and, basically went on the record saying, you know, what people have been wondering forever is that he thinks his roster is set with just nine scholarship players. It's been tense, Kyle. You're on, you're on Twitter, the bird app. You see people freaking out about Tom Izzo's seemingly lack of interest in, in mining the portal and, you know, signing. It's been quiet. They still don't have an assistant coach. People are freaking out about the basketball team. I think some of it is warranted, Kyle, with just looking on paper of what the guys did last year and what they have coming back. But, uh, I mean, how do you see it? <laughs> well, I, I mean, the fact that he, the roster set, I don't think should be a surprise. Um, you know, I, it was always unlikely that he was going to pull some rabbit out of a hat that we didn't know about. Um, and, you know, it's, it's late May. I mean, portals winding down. I mean, most of these guys that are looking for a spot have found a spot. So, um, that wasn't surprising. I, I did think that he kind of explained his philosophy toward it um, a little bit more, which is basically that, um, and Matt, you talked to him in person, so you can um, jump in here. But basically, I, I think he's more concerned with the losing, the threat of losing a current player in the portal searching um, than a lot of other coaches. You know, as, as we brought up in the football discussion, you're going to bring in 
uh, you know, especially a veteran, um, you know, experienced guy um, at a position, um, there's a very good chance that somebody currently on your roster, that position is going to say, I'm not happy here. I'm out. And I, I think Izzo values um, continuity um, in his roster. I think he values, um, you know, guys that he knows, guys that he recruited out of high school. And he puts a premium on keeping those guys there. And for a lot of the times, I mean, he has gone to the portal. It's not like he never does it, but um, that's going to mean less portal. So I, I thought that was a clear explanation that we've had. I think, I mean, the the, he's he's lazy. He doesn't want to do it. You know that was always silly. This is not a, a work wow. ethic or you know a sweep at the wheel. Um, I I mean this was a choice, and I think he explained why he made this choice. That being said, um, I, feel free to be very dubious of it. I mean it's certainly against the grain. Most guys are uh, more concerned with upgrading the roster um, talent wise than um, than potentially losing somebody. Um, but you know, this is, I think time will tell whether, um, he's proven right or not, but it's certainly against the grain. I think it's a little bit surprising and I don't blame anybody, um, who, who's a little dubious that this is the right strategy going forward. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he talked, I mean, he basically was saying some similar thing as Melly, just to, you know, expand on a little bit. And he talked about, he's been hammering with his assistants in the last year. You know, he talked about, they got to be with these players and their families and their girlfriends and, and everybody that's, you know, part of their network, um, you know, on a constant basis to make sure that basically to continue this relationship and keep guys from transferring is, is kind of what the, the, the effect of it is. So, yeah, I mean, I think he, I don't it's a tough spot, you know, I mean, you like Kyle said, the continuity is a big thing for him and you're not going to, he's not going to want to turn over his roster every single year, you know, and, and to keep guys happy. I don't know. Um, again, you know, I thought everybody, I thought the the notion that they would add one big man um, from the portal seemed like a, you know, an, an obvious thing, but maybe they didn't like what was out there. Maybe what was out there that they liked didn't like them. So, you know, do you take a guy just to take a guy uh, just for a body? I don't know. Uh, Tom Ezra knows more about basketball than, than I do and whatever they were looking at. Uh, so that's where we're at. And he uh, could be right. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason. I mean, he's he's built these programs based on continuity and developing his players. And maybe some of these guys that, you know, people saw last year, particularly, I think, Pierre Brooks and Jade Nakins are two guys that could take a huge step this coming mm-hmm. year. Maybe they're not ready for it, but they have the talent to become, you know, pretty good Big Ten players. It's just a matter of if they're ready for it. And maybe he just trusts in his development and likes his guys and and wants that continuity because then again, continuity is what built Michigan state into the power that they are. So I, I think most people would agree that if you're going to make a move that potentially made Jaden Akins dissatisfied and may want to leave that. Yeah. That that's not a, a, a there's more cost than that than benefit. Um, I, I think, I think the player at the center of this is my Sissoko, honestly, um, because no pun intended. Uh, yes. No pun <laughs> intended, but um, I mean, he's the guy that um, I, I think Tom Israel just has a lot more faith in than other people. Um, and if you're going to go to the portal, that's what everyone thought, go get a center, go get a center. Um, and I think, you know, um, a lot of people, myself included, frankly, to an extent thought, you know what, I think you got to do it. And if that causes Monty to, to look around, then I think that's, um, a cost you have to live with, because I think that, you know, a lot of people will look at what they're bringing in and back and think that they need an upgrade there. Um, 
And maybe that's just the cost of doing business. But mm-hmm. Izzo, um, whether he sees something Amadi in practice or just values, you know, having a, a third year guy in there as opposed to a, a, a transfer in, maybe a little bit more talented, but a guy who's new to the system, you don't know how he's going to fit. Um, I think Izzo values what he's had. And, and listen, like um, he, I, I've always I've always said about football, like I think the most impressive thing that Mel did last year was take that many transfers and mold them into a team quickly and have them playing cohesive from that day one Northwestern. They look good. And part of that is they had very talented guys like Kenneth Walker. But there's a lot of times like like Brandon, you follow National College of Basketball. Like, look at Texas last year. They brought in a ton of really talented guys. There were mostly transfers in Chris Beard's first year as far as their main guys, guys that you looked at that roster, I thought they should have been really good. And they were kind of like mediocre. And I, I think that's kind of the, I mean, not only in, you know, chasing off program guys that you recruited that have years in the system, but also you don't know if like this collection of talent is going to come together and be, um, what it should be on paper. Um, and I think that's more of a question mark with these guys from outside who you spend a week recruiting and they come take a campus visit. Um, you don't really know how they're going to fit um, when it's kind of a rushed shotgun marriage like that. Um, so I, I'm not defending Izzo. Like I, I, frankly, I would have gone and gotten a, a portal center, but I think he gave us a little bit better explanation this week um, as, as opposed to us just guessing at it for the last couple. And um, I'll say I can see his side and I'm going to be curious to how it, to how it pans out. If he's going to be sitting there in February saying, I told you so, or if the, the pitchfork mob, is only going to grow a little bit bigger by then. I, it's going to be interesting. The, I told you so press conferences. Well, I'm, I'm sure I've sat through a lot of them. They're, they're long. Even, let's put it that way. But, but even like Kentucky Duke, like one and done classes with blue chips have failed sometimes. So, right. I mean, like you, you see it happen for sure. And I appreciated, you know, some of these radio interviews that as I was doing, definitely flushing out his philosophy. I think he, he really looks at it like he has a responsibility to the kids that he has right now. And I think that's important. I agree with a lot of his concerns about NIL and the portal. I think a lot of people do. Um, I don't know if it helps to come out and say it publicly, but Izzo has always been one to say what he believes. He's never really, I mean, he's not going to hide. So, uh, and he's a prominent voice in the sport. So I don't blame him for saying the stuff he's saying. And I think a lot of it makes sense. I just think he feels responsible for the players that he has. And I think he's really worried about bringing someone in and shaking stuff up and ruining Mm -hmm. the chemistry that they do have. And I also do think a lot of this negativity is people forgetting that players get better. You know, they're, they're looking at this current roster based on what they saw last year. And maybe they're right. Maybe there isn't enough. But it's not like these guys are chopped liver. I mean, they they got recruited to Michigan State for a reason. They're very good basketball players. And, you know, people have been complaining about playing too many players, constant line changing, subbing. Well, if you only have nine scholarship players and like five guys that averaged five points a game last year, I think you're going to, it's a good bet to think that guys are going to play more minutes this year. So maybe you have more continuity on the court and in the locker room. Yeah, that's why that's the other kind of uh, effect of this is like, like, to me, this is going to be a pretty major philosophical change for him as far as how he manages his team, because, you know, that's been the whole philosophy, big rotations, a lot of depth, a lot of guys, a lot of subs, a lot of changing things. And he's just not gonna be able to do that this year. Um, You know, he's not gonna be able to turn around every time he sees something he doesn't like and say, get him out of there. 
Well, for one, he always said that to DJ and DJ's gone. And now for two, he's not going to be able to, <laughs> there's not going to be a guy sitting there to put in or, or maybe that guy needs a rest. So um, it, it's going to be, I, to me, it's going to be a, a philosophical change as far as how he manages it. And yeah, it, it's going to be, it's going to be very different in a lot of ways. Um, but, but to your point too, about development, like, yeah, that that's the thing a lot of people are missing. And like, to go back to Madi, like his specific situation played little basketball growing up, broke his hand before his senior year of high school. So basically didn't have a year of high school comes here in the middle of a pandemic. Um, didn't have that first summer. Um, you know, didn't have a normal first couple of years on campus. Like, I, I think it's understandable if he hasn't developed quite the way people wanted. Um, I, I think that's, there are reasons why that's happened. Um, so does he go from what he was last year to an all big 10 player? No. Um, but can he go to serviceable, maybe showing a little bit more of what we've seen in glimpses? Maybe. And, and that's what they're betting on. But I think reasonable people can disagree. But I, I think you got to look at the big the big picture with him and um, and everything. Why maybe his development hasn't been what it what it should be. Yeah, I mean, I gotta, top 40, top 40 recruit coming out of high school. So right. the raw talent is there. I got a question for you guys over under on the number of football players, scholarship football players on the basketball roster next January uh, over and under 1.5 under. Yeah. I think it might just be Keon. Okay. Yeah. I thought Malik was pretty clear when we talked to him this spring and like, I want to be in preparing for the NFL draft in January, not playing basketball. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So but All right, well, can change wouldn't shock Yeah. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people freaking out. I think you might be right to be a little bit nervous because this isn't, you know, I guess like a vintage big time Michigan State roster. I, they're not a team you're going to be picking to win the Big Ten. But most people nationally are going within time we trust and time is that we trust. I mean, they still people still got them ranked in the top 25 or just outside the top 25. They have talent. It's just going to be a matter of will these guys take a step? Because right now I agree it is a little bit scary as a Michigan state fan looking at the roster because the guys on the team are, you're going to need like four or five guys to take a big leap this year uh, outside of one or two. And so that is a little bit uh, nervy, I guess you could say, but another thing to keep in mind, the big 10 is losing a lot of talent this year. Um, I think it's going to be more of a wide open league this year. I don't think anyone really, you know, Trace Jackson Davis comes back to Indiana and all of a sudden everyone's like, Indiana's the favorite. Who the heck knows? You know, Wake people me up when like Indiana looks, looks decent in February, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll yeah. believe it. Yeah. So I mean, the Big Ten is is uh, wobbly coming into next year. Let's just say that. So, you know, maybe not the worst time in the world for Michigan State to have, um, you know, the roster that it has. So, and things can always change. Assistant coach news. We're still waiting for that, and uh, guys can take steps. You know, that's just what people need to remember. Guys can take big leaps in between years. Um, and I think Michigan State has enough talent to where they can at least be competitive. Is this a Final Four caliber team? Right now, you'd be crazy to say that. But you never know what can happen, uh, especially with a Hall of Fame coach on the bench. So I guess I'll just – my message right now to fans is just breathe. It's May. We've got a long way to go before <laughs> basketball is going to be lacing them up in, in, in a whole football season that uh, looks promising. So uh, just look look forward to that, I guess. But – that's going to do it for today's episode of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed just sort of that potpourri episode jumping around to various news items we haven't touched on lately. But if you could uh, check out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. Uh, give us a rating or a review. Hit us up on Twitter if you got questions or any topics you want us to address here in the offseason. We'd be happy to do it. 
Uh, but that's going to do it. So from Matt Wenzel and Kyle Austin, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green!